and welcome to episode two of Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everything environmental. Um, I'm Jennifer, and I am joined today by Stefan and Jennifer and Chris. So thank you guys for joining us. Um, like I said, this is our second episode, so um, we're going to be delving right into climate change, and um, that's kind of you know, one of the major reasons we're all here. Um, so first, we want to just talk about uh, what it is, why it's important, why you should care, and maybe some things that we can all do to um, help mitigate the effects or even reverse it. Um, so with that, would anybody like to start? Does anybody have any really strong feelings or opinions um, and want to get us going on this topic? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's super excited. Um, well, I can start. So I guess first what we want to do is talk about the difference between climate change and weather, right? Um, so a lot of people mistake weather for climate change when they hear that um, or they use those terms interchangeably. And um, the difference between the two is weather is localized and temporary and um seasonal, basically. Climate change looks at trends over a broad period of time. So um, you're looking at, you know, data and temperatures and just numbers from years and years and years um, versus, you know, yeah, it's hot out today. Yeah, it's cold in the winter. But how cold is it compared to 100 years ago, 20 years ago? And how cold is it over a period of 10 years, that kind of thing? Um, and so, that's weather. So climate change is really looking at the changes, the shifts in the temperatures and the different variations um, in the weather over all of those time periods. Um, and a lot of times people will say, well, climate change isn't something that we can control. Um, the climate's going to change no matter what. And yes, there is a certain degree of the earth doing its own thing. Um, but there are things that we do as a species, humans, to affect that. And specifically, since the industrial age started, um, we've been spewing a lot of carbon into the air and burning a lot of fuel um, that has caused the overall temperature to go up over years. And um, the science has shown that, you know, that has been a cause by us. So anybody want to jump in and add anything at this point or have any observations? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really fast to this. I know I'm like, <laughs> um, it, 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 you are right. People do use weather and climate change um, as, as if they're the same thing, not that they're two completely different um, terms. Um, there's, uh, I read articles on Yahoo about weather and things like that. And, and then I'll go to the comment section just to see what people are saying. And the vast majority of people are saying, oh, look, it rained. It must be summer. <laughs> oh, look, it snowed. It must be, it must be winter. Like they just, they, um, a lot of people just don't think it's anything to worry about mm -hmm. that the earth is just doing what it's supposed to do. We've had, like you said, shifts in climate before. This is something that's going to keep happening. And why the heck are we worrying so much about it? Like why, why are 97% of all scientists saying that we are the cause of climate change? That must not be true. So that's, it's frustrating to read that, but it's also good to know that um, if 
we just start educating maybe younger mm-hmm. or putting it into a context that um, the vast majority of people understand that maybe they'll start shifting a little bit in their thinking. Exactly. Well, also, I really liked your this, um, distinction between weather and climate. I thought that was very helpful. And I happen to be somebody who's not super read up on the issue. Um, I actually probably would use the term ignorant <laughs> to apply to myself in regard to this issue. Um, and I used to be um, definitely on board with the idea that it was happening and that it's caused by by humans. These days, I'm I'm an agnostic, meaning I'm open to the possibility that that is in fact the case, but I'm also just not, um, I don't know, I don't know if convinced is the right word or, but again, it's mainly, it's mainly just ignorance at this point. So I need to read up more about it or listen to more um, about it and be able to form an opinion. But this is going to be an exciting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is good because we have, you know, maybe like two extremes on the call. So that'll be, that'll be good for us today. Yeah. Well, and the fact that you're willing to listen and talk about it and not just like, no, this is the only thing that, you know, makes sense. That's what we yeah. need more dialogue and more discussion about stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm certainly not a scientist. Um, it's just, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to hear more. Okay, well, and I'm sure you have maybe questions or, or things that you don't fully understand that we can get into as we go through the discussion. Um, I want to jump back real quick to something Chris said. So you were saying that like 97% of scientists, you know, agree that climate change is real and we're causing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll always go back to that 3% of scientists to don't agree or who, you know, dispute those claims. And they, they, they latch onto that 3% as though that's all that matters. That the fact that there's any disagreement at all is all that matters to, to refute the entire argument. <laughs> that's not really how science works. Um, you know, scientists all come out and review each other's work. They discuss it. They, um, you know, every theory goes through rigorous review and if you can get 97% consensus, that's a pretty good indicator that the science is good and that, you know, they know what they're talking about. So I just want to point that out because a lot of people will say, well, there's this study that was done or there's these papers that were written and these scientists don't agree. But um, I think when you look at a lot of those studies, the, the methods were flawed and, and a lot of the information they used were flawed as well. So anyways, um, so Jennifer, did you have anything you wanted to throw in as we're going through this broad overview? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's um, a little bit more difficult for Americans to wrap their head around climate change or global warming because we don't see the immediate effects that are occurring right now. So um, it's partly frustrating, but it's also out there. If people take the time to look and see where people's homes once we're near the ocean are now almost under the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, those types of things are, are wiping out centuries of, 
um, tribes that have maybe lived on those islands. And so um, I would just encourage people to take a look because it's it's out there if you want to actually see it because sea level rise is affecting a lot of um, various types of people out there. Yeah. I think that's a really important point. Just I think it's related to what you were saying earlier, Jennifer, about the difference between weather and climate and how easily we can confuse the two. But um, the other, Jennifer, I'm not sure how I should refer to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys JT. can call me Jen. <laughs> Jen, all right, that sounds good. Yeah, I, no, I just think that's a great point. Just um, looking beyond our uh, you know, the confines of our, of our little world, and we all have, I'm just as prone to that as anybody, but just to become more kind of globally aware of what's happening hugely important yeah there's there's a lot of articles about like you said island nations that are completely underwater almost you know have lost all their land and, and but even there's a map i don't remember who did it that basically shows in 50 years 100 years you know if we don't fix climate change um most of the major peninsulas and islands in the world are underwater like italy florida you know we lose all that land it's all it's all sunk um so i think people will start unfortunately they'll only take it seriously a lot of them once when it affects them but once they see that but even hurricane harvey you know um last year and and irma and all these huge category five hurricanes that shouldn't be happening as often as they do or as close together as they do and we're getting them because a warmer climate a warmer ocean you know makes the water and the wind move faster and, and more violently and it feeds it, you know, it's, it's a perfect breeding ground. Um, but again, you know, people, like you said, brush it off as, oh, it's just, just bad weather. It's just a hurricane season. <laughs> um, just unfortunate. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to not um, get overwhelmed by it as well, because it just seems like such an enormous thing to to tackle that often the individual feels lost in that they don't really understand that they can make an impact and they can make a difference by just their own personal daily decisions. Um, so we just don't want people to feel like, Oh, it's going to happen regardless of what I do. Cause there are things that each one of us can do. And as a collective, we will be the change. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, um, a big thing is it's, it's I'm I'm guilty of this too not guilty but I do feel this way like sometimes it just seems it's too big it, the numbers are too big I can't really see what that means or a degree warmer doesn't seem like that big of a deal it's only a degree warmer so it's hard to really it can be really hard to wrap your head around the fact that this is worldwide and it does include you too even if it's not right at your front door and sometimes it can seem like well it's just too big there's nothing i can do so little it's it is important to um reinforce that little things are what make up the bigger picture and that even your daily decision to not get that plastic bag or to shut off your water while you're brushing your teeth all those little things that you may not think make a difference they do add up over time yeah because what if we all did that, right? If we all... Yes. Yeah. It's like this uh, This uh, picture I keep seeing um, circling Instagram. It's um, one straw isn't that big of a deal, said 7 billion people. 
<laughs> yeah, and honestly, you know, that for me, what you just said, Chris, is um, really a big reason why I, I guess, try to live in an environmentally conscious manner. Um, and I think other people should too. And I try to um, gently encourage other people too, is because it's just to me, um, uh, it's a more efficient way to live, but it's also just a more interesting way to live. And you can, I mean, there are benefits that, um, that you can see when a large group of people uh, live in this way. So I think it's, I think it's worthwhile, not, not just, um, you know, something that our weird neighbor down the street does, but you know, if we all are in this together, like we can actually see, you know, we can make a difference. Yeah. I, I don't know when or why it happened, but it seems like we've all as a society fallen out of the mindset of how does what I do affect other people, right? Like I live in a society where we all depend on each other or we all at least have to be able to tolerate each other because everything we do is connected. Um, but a lot of people seem to forget that and don't care or don't think about the fact that, you know, we all share this planet. We all share these resources, polluting and, you know, using disposable items eventually is going to catch up with us. And unfortunately, going to affect um, a lot of times the people that, you know, are least equipped to deal with it. Um, yeah. So, so we've talked a little bit about what climate change is. Um, I guess we, we can talk some about the, the effects uh, of climate change. So, so why does this matter, right? Um, so I, I think the biggest thing that we can all notice is that, you know, the, the weather does change uh, incrementally over time. Um, you know, we've had super hot summers in Texas the last few years, which shouldn't surprise anyone, but they're slowly getting hotter and staying hotter longer, and we're having more droughts. Um, and this isn't just characteristic to Texas. I think this is happening more all over the country, but um, we used to get, you know, one or two snow or ice days in Texas. And I think last this year was the first winter we've had, you know, an ice scare in a few years. Um, so I'm noticing a difference just, you know, anecdotally, but also um, if you look at the trends, I think you'll see that slowly the average temperature each year is rising. Um, winters are shorter, summers are longer, droughts are longer. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed anything up in Canada, Chris, um, but even up in a colder climate, I feel like that's mm -hmm. hard to notice a difference too. Yeah. Well, um, I live in uh, Midwestern Ontario um, and we're in the snow belt. And for the last few years, and I, I'm not hundred percent sure if it's because in the last uh, almost five years, we've lived right on the lake. So we're not getting the snow that I remember when I was a kid and it's just literally blowing over us and that's just what winters are like down right by the lake or if it's actually changing, but I've been noticing a big swing, like it's more um, volatile, especially during the winter time. Like one day, like we've had, I only remember having one green Christmas when I was a kid and my kids have had three, I think already and they're 12 and 10 and 
it's either really sunny one day and then the next day it's, you know, minus 20. And then it'll stay like that for three days and then it'll all of a sudden get really warm. A few years ago, we had a really warm spell over our March break where it got up to about, I don't know, Fahrenheit. So 17 degrees Celsius. And what had happened is because it got so warm, um, a local uh, apple orchard, the blossom, the tree started to defrost. And then immediately the week after it dropped below freezing and started snowing. So that year they had no apples. Their entire crop got wiped out because of that one week in um, March where it just warmed up enough for everything to thaw out a wee bit. So I've been noticing a lot more swings one way or the other. Yeah. Well, and when you have early frosts or late frost or, or melts, mm-hmm. it, like you said, the plants bloom because they think it's over and then they get, you know, frozen again or the the bugs or whatever that this mm-hmm. feeds on comes out or doesn't come out and it throws off the whole ecosystem. You know, it's not just a one time, a, a one effect thing. It's a chain effect that um, ends up everybody kind of, you know, suffers. Um yeah, so so climate change makes extreme weather events more extreme. And, and we saw that, you know, with the hurricanes, um, we see that with droughts and the wildfires and all these natural occurrences that are going to happen anyways, but they're happening more often or they're a lot stronger and a lot um, more devastating, I think, um, than they used to be. You're always going to have that 100-year flood or that 100-year, you know, whatever, but um, you're, you're just we're not equipped to deal with it every five years, 10 years or 20 years or whatever. Um, So that's the biggest one that comes to mind for me when you think about climate change that will directly affect us. And and unfortunately what it does is, you know, it's so hot that all we want to do is is run our AC or drive in our cars because it's too hot to walk or it's too hot to bicycle. And then (laughs) what does that do? That spews more carbon in the air and that just, you know, creates a vicious cycle. which is why it's so important to be to come up with you know renewable sources of power. <laughs> but uh, what what else do you guys have uh, as far as the effects of climate change? How it's affected you directly, or how you know it's affected other people in the world? Um, <laughs> I feel that's a great question. I mean, climate change. I, I, yeah. No, I mean I think it's totally valid and legitimate to make observations about you know what's happened in our lifetimes or within the last few generations as somebody again who's mostly ignorant on this and is kind of an agnostic i do however just personally get a little bit wary of kind of making projections um going very far back in time based on what has been observed over the last few years or decades or even centuries again that's 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 speaking from ignorance so i'm open to to hearing more on that but that's just kind of the thought that i had when you were talking about so are you saying um that it hasn't been enough time since i guess we've seen this shift to really make make a sound decision is that your your inclination? well possibly yeah and even if it has even if it has been enough time for there to be you know an actual change to the global climate i guess the most pertinent question as it relates to 
public policy and just people's behavior and things like that is um is that change primarily driven by human activity and perhaps it is i mean again i'm, I'm sort of yeah in between on that well, i think the main thing is that it's the rate of the change right it's happening so fast that um in the past you see it happening gradually over hundreds of thousands of years and that same amount of change is happening in the span of 200 years or so um, and i don't have numbers and we can you know pull those up in another time and talk um hard science but you know the al gore uh documentary he has that graph that visually shows you know here's where we were and then he keeps going up and here's where we are now 50 years later or whatever um, so I, I think that's the main thing that people get worried about is the fact that not not the fact that it's changing because it could change naturally but it's happening so fast and the only thing we can see that's different um, and also you know we're, we're when you pull those ice cores samples that show you know what was in the atmosphere over time when we started burning fossil fuels, you see that show up in, in that time period. Um, and that's a very distinctive difference in, in the layers that, that they pull every year. Um, Jen, do you have anything to add to this? I know we're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess um, the science is out there. And, you know, I, I personally would believe the person that has spent their life studying this topic and is pulling the ice cores out of Antarctica and doing the research, you know, versus someone who doesn't do that for a living. <laughs> so uh, the fact that 97% of scientists believe that it is from human beings, then I think that, quite frankly, the argument should kind of no longer be a discussion. It should just become fact that this is happening. And we need to start doing something about it sooner than later. Yeah, well, one thing that I think um, that kind of bugs me is just the way we build. Like, we don't um, adapt. You guys were talking about how, um, you know, temperatures are rising in, in our lifetimes. And and I just, like, I go to places, I, I, I used to live in California. And, you know, they build houses in California in the Central Valley, which gets up into the hundreds during the summertime, just like it does in Texas, I assume, sometimes, at least this year. <laughs> um, but they build houses the same way there that they do in Washington State and Mississippi and you know Maine. It's like, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of smart adaptation of just how we build structures to adapt to the local climate in a way that is energy efficient and and comfortable and that's mm -hmm. and i see a lot of another thing that bugs me is the use of like lawns like in residential properties and even commercial properties in areas that are mostly arid or you know drought uh um you know prone to drought again like like around sacramento where i used to live and so just things like that where it's like let's just be smart i mean whether or not a person um you know agrees with 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 certain things but i think we just need to be smart about like how we even live in 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 the world and just take into account 
um, our resources, our climate, um, and all of that. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Um, there is a really great YouTube channel. Um, I think you should check out. Uh, her name is uh, uh, Kirsten Dirksen, and she is a filmmaker. And she goes around all over the world, really, but primarily Europe and North America. And she talks to people who um, live alternatively uh and a lot of people who've built homes to suit their climate and to suit where they live and it's just really interesting to hear why they've done it um either how cost effective it was or because sometimes it can be really expensive um depending on where you are and what your economy is like but that yes you should build for where you live don't try to force something that doesn't belong there i also mm -hmm. I agree with you on the lawns. We're currently turning our front lawn into a little mini homestead because the kids don't play on it and I hate cutting it. It's useless. <laughs> They're just dumb. I don't get it. My best friend waters her lawn. I try not to shake my head at her too much, but, um, but yeah, it's, I totally agree. It's, we've sort of detached ourselves so much that we've, we're not part of the environment anymore. Mm -hmm. So we, we can force what we think we're supposed to have onto the environment, even though we're just sucking the life right out of it. So instead of yeah. us adapting to it, we're, we're, we're flipping it and it's not working anymore. Mm -hmm. And then we want the same quality of life and the same mm -hmm. standard everywhere. Like he said, we don't adapt. And it's, yeah. Yeah. There's a it's really good, yeah, there's a really good book I read called um, Cadillac Desert. And it talks about, water in the west and how unsustainable it is and it was written like 35 years ago and it you know was scary reading it because it's like wow this is all it's projecting out 50 years and it's like we're almost there and we're not doing anything differently but it talks a lot about what you said how we're just forcing the few water sources we have in the west and <laughs> into these huge cities that have no business being there and these huge you know sprawling neighborhoods with lawns and yeah. It, yeah, it, it's, a, it's not, it's not going to last. No, it's absurd. And I think, you know, this recent um, move in California to require all new housing construction to have solar panels, right? Is that, am I right what? on that? I haven't heard that. That's okay. I do. Yeah. Well, I, I personally think that's a great idea. I think that should be done in places that, um, get a ton of sun like phoenix arizona i mean to me it makes sense that every new house that's built ought to have my goodness put as many solar panels as can fit on the roof for crying out loud like why not you know it is going to make houses a little bit more expensive but uh, it's also going to bring down the cost of energy and it's just you know way less resource intensive so yeah. absolutely I agree. Um, so another thing, we've talked a little bit about weather and water. I kind of want to talk about how climate change affects the ocean and why that matters to us. Because, um, you know, you mentioned the one degree Celsius uh, rise. And I think it's projected that if we rise, what, two more degrees, we're, we're kind of at if the point. Reaches four, right? Yeah, if it reaches four degrees, 
Celsius above than yeah. It's, so we're, we're toast. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like a lot, like you said. But first yeah, of all, for Americans, Celsius degrees are a lot higher, like jumps than Fahrenheit degrees. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, when you're talking about water, like the ocean, um, every degree makes a big difference. So every degree makes more ice melt at the poles. That makes the level of the ocean rise, which, as we discussed, can cause parts of land to go underwater. Um, it can cause, you know, it can wreak havoc on ecosystems and where fish will and won't swim. Um, but it also can kill a lot of things. Um, coral specifically, you know, require certain temperature range. They can't live if it's too hot. And if, you know, there's only a certain time of year they'll spawn and they need certain temperatures. So there's, you know, a whole series of things that get affected when you raise the temperature even one or two degrees. Um, but yeah, so does anybody have anything related to, you know, the effect of that on the ocean or things that they've, they've heard or, or seen that have um, worry that are worrisome or interesting? <laughs> um, so I like to go scuba diving and snorkeling as much as possible um, when we go on family trips. But yeah, I mean, I, I can say over the past probably 15 years, I've noticed there's a lot less um, marine life in general. A lot of the coral reefs are dying. Um, if they're not, um, if they're not dying, then there's a lot of um, tourism that tends to kill them off. Because if you touch the coral reef with like your flipper, it'll die. Um, so it is a little discouraging that some of these places that we love and cherish are potentially dying while they'll no longer be there. Um, and so again, I think it's just important for people to know that they can do things to reduce their environmental impact in regards to climate change. So things like if you're going to, if you have to get a new car, you know, try to favor a vehicle that has low, um, emissions, or you can get a high miles per gallon vehicle. So something that gets 35 to 45 miles per gallon. Um, but obviously using your bicycle and walking as much as possible is important. And again, we kind of talked about this, but in your home, um, trying to reduce your electric bill, there's lots of things you can do within your, your house or wherever you're living. Um, you can insulate any cracks that could be like in the windows or doors, um, find any place where there could be air escaping out of your, out of your home. Um, having insulation in the attic, um, and then using a programmable thermostat. So when you're not home, you don't have to have the temperature comfortable for humans. <laughs> you know, it could just be a little bit lower, a little bit higher when it's not occupied. So just things like that can make a difference if we all do it. I had a friend from college. She used to put this on all of her light switches was um, turn off the light, save a fish. <laughs> so that when you leave a room you just flick so I'm a I flick off all the lights constantly. I'm doing it at my sister's house, my mother's house constantly, and they always get irritated at me, but I'm like, turn off a light, save a fish. So sort of stuck with me because it's I mean, I don't live near the ocean. I live near a body of water, but 
it's hard to wrap my head around that the system of lakes that I live around do lead into a um, canal that leads into the Atlantic Ocean. So what happens here, thousands of kilometers away from the ocean, it gets there. So that's what I like to do is just turn all the lights off like a jerk. <laughs> So just to make the connection for the folks listening that maybe aren't as familiar with, with some of this, the, the whole idea is to reduce energy consumption, right? It, it, all the tips that you're giving. So that in turn means we're burning less coal or natural gas or whatever your source of energy is if it's not renewable, um, which in turn will reduce emissions into the air and hopefully reduce, you know, the temperature increase that we're talking about. So that's how this is all connected. Because um, a lot of times people will, will think, well, how does that connect to a fish or whatever? So just to mm -hmm. make the full circle. Um, but yeah, definitely every, you know, every little thing we can do to reduce our consumption and use of any kind of um, fossil fuel, really, because those are the culprits. Um, coal, even, you know, you hear all this, this hoopla about natural gas, but it's really not that great um, because it requires fracking and it releases methane, which is kind of worse than carbon. <laughs> um, and just, you know, the process of getting it out causes a lot of environmental damage. So um, really the best sources of energy are free and they're renewable. The sky, you know, the sun, the wind, the, um, hydro energy to a certain extent that has its own drawbacks but um there's a lot cleaner and, and more sustainable ways for us to power our society we really yeah jennifer to your to your original question about the raising of the of the sea levels due to warming again it's not something i've read up on i have heard about the uh, great barrier reef in australia and maybe you guys know more about this that um quite a large percentage of it has died off like in the last what few decades or something and it's kind of on a you know decline um almost to the point of no return is that that accurate did i read that correctly yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah no. i mean that's that's horrible you know just in and of itself so i went but, the Great Barrier Reef last year in April, and we were told at that time um, that about 30% of it was going through bleaching or dead. Bleaching means that's basically the process where it's not getting enough um, oxygen or, or whatever it needs. It's getting suffocated, basically, because other things are growing because it's so hot that they're able to grow more, and there's not that balance. Um, and it's so, so yeah, like there's, I think 30% of it that's fully a hundred percent bleach, maybe 30% that was damaged and then a 20 to 30% that's still pretty good, but it's, it's pretty bad numbers and yeah. So beautiful though. So beautiful. You should go if you can. <laughs> love to. Another thing I've been hearing about is um, just how the rising water levels are going to affect cities on the coast and so um i just had a question about that like because i again i haven't really read the research but um what is the correlation or uh 
how much does, for example, one degree rise, one degree Celsius um, rise in temperature, how much does that raise the level of the sea? Or is that even the measurement that's used? I don't know. I don't. I don't have a straight answer for that, Jennifer. Jen, do you have? Yeah, I don't know. I know that there is a number, and I can't exactly remember what it was, but it's almost like, like one degree or two degrees in temperature rise, like raises the ocean by like ten meters or something like that. Okay. I could be wrong, but I think that's what I remember hearing. Yeah. And so they do show all these computer simulations of what that looks like if 10 meters rise of the ocean. And it shows like New York City, Venice, you know, all these cities that are along the coast underwater. Um, and obviously that happens slowly over time. But the fact that we're getting hurricanes and tornadoes and wildfires in all sorts of places where we never used to get them are the small kind of canary in the coal mine, if you will, that we mm. are seeing these indicators that this is coming and this is happening. The ocean is getting warmer and that's why the coral reefs are dying. Um, you know, a coral reef can't move, right? So the ocean level is changing and it's also getting hotter. So a lot of those coral reefs are, are dying off. So there's a, there's a lot of problems that are we're going to have to learn how to figure out how to deal with. Um, but yeah, I, we'll have to Google it. If someone has their phone, we, we'll Google <laughs> the exact amount of meter rise from a degree in temperature change. But yeah, and the other terrifying thing is, so this this rise in sea level is happening because the glaciers are melting, right? And this is fresh water that's like millions of years old that has been preserved in ice caps in our poles, um, keeping the ocean in kind of a balance that we have now, once those are gone, they're gone. Like you don't get them back unless you get like serious cold spell, another ice age or something. Um, and a lot of countries rely on those, you know, the ice melt from those in the winter for their water supply. So once they're gone permanently, they lose fresh water and it's all in the oceans now. It's all salty, you know? Um, so that's another kind of terrifying thing. And, and then you, you have the whole, um, what am I trying to say? You were talking about the coral reefs. Um, they provide a lot of oxygen for the world, you know, and, and a lot of plants in, in the ocean provide a lot of the oxygen that we used to breathe. We think trees are like it, but actually ocean life, um, is a big source of the air that we breathe and people don't realize that because it's all underwater and all we see is the trees and we think, Save the trees, you know, which is important, but also don't kill the animals or the plants that are providing it in the ocean, too. Um, yes. Planting trees is another good note we should mention. Yeah. <laughs> so there are other things you can do besides conserving energy. You can also plant things that essentially... I guess it's called carbon sequestration. So if you have some type of plant that can absorb the CO2 in the atmosphere, then that also helps with the problem. So like avoiding from cutting down trees, but then also grow more trees. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. I've, I've been on a number of tree planting excursions and they're super fun. So if anybody's listening to this or watching this that 
is like not super keen on doing all the other stuff that's been mentioned go plant some trees with a group of people it is tons of fun it's a great way to spend a saturday um you you mentioned carbon sequestration so i just finished reading the world is blue by sylvia uh, Sylvia earl and she talks about this is this was something new for me but um the fact that there are pockets in the ocean that are basically carbon sinks and a lot of them are getting dredged up by the deep sea fishing that we're doing and so we're not only like killing the habitats but we're pulling up these pockets of gas that have been trapped down there for years and years and releasing more carbon that way which i thought was interesting because again never never read about that in my science textbook but um it's just fascinating how how many ways we can destroy the planet (laughs) yeah no it's true i think it's it's important because we don't often and I, i include myself in this we don't often think of the world's oceans as being or sometimes i think of the world's oceans as being ecosystems unto themselves that um, have their own very delicate balance of flora and fauna and climates and so forth but you know you, now you're starting to see this crop up in the news about this uh giant pile of trash in the ocean that's like the size of texas and uh you know that's where you go wow what we do on terra firma really does have, you know, it affects the oceans. It'll be, I mean, it affects this entire other ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And we know about it, and yet we're still not fixing it. <laughs> so we need to all do our little part, like Jen has said, and plant some trees, reduce our use of energy, and... Um, Plastics is another thing, you know, you hear a lot of stuff in the news about the straws lately, how a lot of places are banning them and that's starting to pick up momentum and just single use plastic in general is terrible. So that's things like reusable or I'm sorry, disposable silverware and bags and the wrappers that everything comes in. Cause we've just gotten to this point in society where everything's just throwaway, right? Um, used to be, you would keep your glass containers or your bottles or your cans and, you know, at least turn them in for a deposit, but we've gotten so far away from that, but, but that's all important because again, where does plastic come from? It's made from oil or fossil fuels, which (laughs) when we burn those, we put more in the air. So um, that's why, you know, plastic's bad in addition to the trash problem, because yes, there's just a mountain of trash floating in the ocean and we're dumping it in our, you know, backyards and we're going to run out of space pretty soon. It'd be like Wally. Yeah. We're getting there. I think it's interesting that you brought up trash because sometimes it's hard to make that connection to global warming. But when you think about the single use plastic that we use every day and just throw away, it took a lot of energy to create that product and then you're using it one time and then just throwing it away. So that is another thing that you could consider is um, look at what you're buying and making sure that everything you use on a daily basis is reusable and you can wash it multiple times and, you know, 
not have to always be purchasing things and then throwing them away. Yeah. We use a lot of yeah. energy and a lot of water to create products for people to buy. Mm-hmm. The average lifespan of a of a single use product is like five minutes or something like that. Like all the amount of resources and raw materials it took to make it and the time put in for that, it's actual usable lifespans like five minutes or something like that. I read an article that said every piece of plastic ever created still exists because yes. plastic does not break down, and that yeah. blew my mind because it's something like you kind of know because like. Even if you break that plastic spoon, it's still there. It's not disintegrated. It's just you can't use it because it's broken in half. But it's not going to break down. It takes hundreds of years for plastic to break down, which is good and bad, depending on what you're using. But, yeah, um, the single-use lifestyle has to stop. It's not going to last. We're going to run out of oil someday to make plastics. What are we going to do then? <laughs> I know they're making plant-based plastics, but still, that's not, those break down a lot quicker. <laughs> um, so yeah, changing our lifestyle is difficult, but we can do it because mm-hmm. it's worth it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I think education, though, is kind of at the forefront of the, we have to educate ourselves, the public needs to, just the regular person needs to be educated on just the little things that they can do and how easy it is to do. And then taking that one step further and voting for politicians and representatives who are taking the environment seriously. We recently voted in, I didn't, but Ontario voted in a premier who has recently taken away all the uh, government incentives to buy uh, electric cars and to, upgrade your homes with environmentally friendly um, things like windows and the thermostats and things like that. So using our voice to vote and to purchase things that are not throwaway, that are going to be around, that are reusable, buying products from companies that have lifetime warranties like Patagonia and, and uh, I think it's J-Sport, Jansport, things like that. Oh, so if yeah, it breaks, you can, mm-hmm. you can you know, take it to them, they'll repair it and, and just, yeah, things like that. It's not hopeless. We can do this. (laughs) (laughs) And for anyone out there that doesn't buy into all this environmental mumbo jumbo, save the world stuff, at the end of the day, you're going to save money. So like if you're reducing your electric usage, whether it's your car, your gas mileage, you know, or anything in your home, buying, um, you know, reusable items, like all those things save you money at the end of the day. And that's what should motivate anybody. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. I mean, even like ourselves, we, um, about once a month, we have a group of kind of a big group over to our house, um, from church, we have a meal and hang out and stuff. And, you know, a while ago we were purchasing just like single disposable paper plates and like, um, the red Dixie cups. Um, this is early in our marriage, so. <laughs> uh, but you know, we've since made a change to more permanent uh, flatware and utensils and cups, and, and yeah, like you said, Jen, it's um, my gosh, it saves us money in the long run, and it has an added environmental benefit. So, I I think it's so. I think you're you're spot on. Like, let's think of how this can be 
beneficial to us in multiple ways and not feel like, oh, it's just something that I have to do if I'm going to be a good citizen. Like, no, this actually benefits you beyond just the satisfaction of knowing you're doing something good for the planet, but it, it also can save you money, for example, and you know, other things as well. So I'm going to put a plug out there for anybody that wants more information and about all the different things they can do in their home. There's a really great website. It's um, takecareoftexas.org, and it's brought on by TDQ here in Texas. So it has a lot of great resources. That is a good site. They have a good newsletter and their social media shares a lot of good infographics um, with like easy to implement things, you know, um, and, and we're going to share, you know, in every episode, our green life hack. So something that we've found that has saved us money or time or resources um, that helps us live more sustainably and not be either so throwaway or helps us to fix something, you know, rather than buy a new one each time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we really need to, as a society, you know, talk about and, and look at why do we use things the way we do? Why are we so accustomed to grabbing, you know, the, the yogurt cup or the, the bag of chips or whatever that's in wrapped in plastic, wrapped in plastic and in a box, you know, like, why do we need three layers of packaging on everything? Um, we don't, we didn't have this 20, 30, 40 years ago to the extent we do now. So um, I think discussions like this are good because we bring awareness to it and hopefully we'll help people reduce the demand for those items and then they'll make less. Um, and, and the other thing that always gets me when people are like, why does it matter? At the end of the day, like you said, if they don't buy, if you don't buy into this, we are going to run out of gas and oil someday maybe not in your lifetime but we will not have enough to sustain the quality of life that we have today so your children or your children's children will not be able to enjoy um you know this throwaway lifestyle we have to start thinking of these solutions now we could we shouldn't just suck every drop of oil out of the the ground and then wait to, to figure it out because that's just that's just not smart <laughs> we need to get ahead of it so so my life hack is pretty unimaginative um but it's just led bulbs um i've replaced most of the bulbs in our house with led and they last crazy long time something like 15 20 years but they also use a fraction of the energy i mean you can replace a 65 watt bulb with something that draws i think 10 or 12 watts and my goodness, it's like a win-win. Yeah, it costs a little bit more money up front, but again, they last a crazy long amount of time. So you might actually be ending up end up saving money in the long run because you're having to buy fewer bulbs over the years. But then you just get that satisfaction knowing, my gosh, you're using a fraction of the energy and it's just, why not do it? And they look so much cooler. <laughs> Swirly ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, did you guys have any anything else for the climate change discussion, or do we want to just go on to the green light hack for this episode? I'm Probably ready for green life hacks. <laughs> 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 Who's got a good one? 
I was just going to show, I have a programmable thermos that I just put in, so let me see if I can get it to, can y'all see it? Mm, yep. Yeah? I'm like, okay, let me get in there. So anyone who doesn't have one, that's what it looks like. I installed it myself because I, I used to have a really old one, and it wasn't programmable. So it's really easy to do, and it only costs like 35 bucks. So... Um, what? And you can do it every day. You can do it just the weekends. You can do it whatever temperature. And it helps save you money. Mm -hmm. It pays for itself within like a year. <laughs> or less. Absolutely. So what temperature range do you try to keep it on when you're not there and then versus when you are there? Uh, usually when we're not home, I have it set at 80 in the summer. Um, and then when I... When I get home, I'll, I'll set it down to like 76 or so. <laughs> That's pretty low, but it's really freaking hot right now. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I feel you. That's, that's about what we do as well. And then I think in the wintertime, I'm trying to remember. I think we usually have it set at like 66. If it gets too cold, I'll knock it up to like 67 or 68 when I'm not home. But, or when we are home, yeah. <laughs> you notice a huge difference in your electric bill just from a degree or two because it's running just a little less, but it's using less energy, so. Yeah. So true, no, I, I can totally vouch for that. We started doing the same thing a few months ago and I've noticed a marked decrease in our, our power bill because of it. Awesome. Chris, what you got? Um, uh, a reusable coffee cup That's one of my favorite ones. And my husband, who is a very avid coffee drinker, um, our chain of, he's a huge coffee drinker. So every time we're out, we go to a Timmy's, which is Tim Hortons, which is our, like your Dunkin' Donuts. Um, he's got his coffee cup. He, you know, has a, you know, it's a medium, whatever. And you often get a discount. Oh, nice. Ours is 10 cents. Or bringing in your own no is it more than that maybe it's only 10 or 20 cents but that adds up so yeah reusable cup it's really easy he just keeps it in his car all the time washes it when it's gross um but a lot of places they don't care they don't mind the one place we did have a problem with was mcdonald's was mcdonald's that's the only place we've had a hiccup the guy looked at us like we had three heads he had no idea what to do so you don't go to mcdonald's anymore we also don't go to mcdonald's but we were desperate <laughs> But you're uh, a reusable coffee cup, and they're very easy to find, and a lot of them are really inexpensive. Yeah, Starbucks does that here in the States, and I think they also give you a 10-cent discount. Um, they're one that – they do that with all the cups, I guess. If you bring in an, you know, the equivalent size of whatever you want, if it's mm -hmm. a tea or frappe or whatever. Um, but I – I do have like one of my vices is sodas. So when I go to a restaurant and want to, you know, use my own cup, I always worry they're going to give me the, Oh, it's a health code violation thing. So I need to be a little more proactive about that. I'm usually, I'm all about the reusable, my, bringing my own container for, you know, leftovers and my own straw, but the cups is, is an area of opportunity for me. So, <laughs> um, so my life hack, is my water pick, which I brought to show you guys. <laughs> so for those that don't know, the water pick is this nifty machine that um, 
you use to clean your teeth with this wand and you can adjust the settings. Um, and I st I've had it for years, but I really started it recently because, you know, I floss every night and floss just generates a lot of waste. You use it one time and you have this string that's long and throw it away. So I know it's a, it's a small thing, um, but I had invested in this a while back. So I decided when I ran out that I was going to start using it every night. And that's what I do. And it actually makes my mouth feel cleaner. Is my life hack is the water. <laughs> um, and you get well, the benefit of cleaner teeth, right? It's a little messy, takes some getting used to, but not gonna lie, I've had a few accidents spraying myself. But um, does anybody have anything else to throw in tonight? I just wanted to say one thing like, you know, just to kind of issue or how shall I say it? Um, when we're talking about changing how we live and our lifestyle, I would encourage people to look at it as a, like a fun challenge and, and try to, try to look at it that way. Instead of um, somebody coming down on you and making you do something, look at it like as I'm just going to, just as a challenge to myself, I'm going to look at my life and figure out how I can live more efficiently um, to make as little of an impact on the environment that I can, just because it's a more interesting way to live, honestly, than, you know, the alternative. So, I don't know, just whoever's listening or watching, think, think of it like that. And just as a fun challenge. Of course, there's other reasons to do it too, but that, that would be my contribution. No, I like that. In the spirit of always trying to try new things and change and better yourself, it's a great way of looking at it. Um, so we will be releasing um, shows monthly, and we are open to suggestions for topics. If you have something you'd like to hear us talk about, if you have a question that you want answered, or maybe um, just a concept you don't understand, like we talked about climate change tonight, um, environmental or sustainably uh, related, um, let us know. Um, and where can we find you online? Sorry, did you ask me? Yes. Oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but he will I'll be. Live like it's 1995, so there. <laughs> um, well, we will have uh, the Sustainably Geeky show on the Epically Geeky website, so we will have a little bio about him on there. Jen, where can we find you online? Um, we have the sustains.org website. And if there's any questions or comments, those go straight to me. So I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Chris? I am under the epic, Epically Geeky umbrella. So there at the website and on Instagram at Cedar Birch Cottage. We are redoing our kids' rooms while they are at camp. And I'm trying to remember to take pictures and document it <laughs> as best I can. Awesome. Um, well, and you can find me online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pets Gonna Be Me. And um, on the Epically Geeky website, um, epicallygeeky.com, which also will link to this podcast. Um, 
with that, I believe that's all we have. Please uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play and give us a five-star rating. And again, let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Have a good night. This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 